ナモタサバガワトアラハトサンマーサンブタサナモタサバガワトアラハトサンマーサンブタサナモタサバガワトアラハトサンマーサンブタサブタンダンマンサンカンナマサミそう、えー、today It's the、uh, 17th of June, Lumpocha's birthday. He was born、uh, 105 years ago,、uh, 1918. And、uh, from the morning, we had a reading from his teachings led by Achanda Manando、uh, at the morning communal meeting and also on more than a time.、Um, and uh, uh, so, I'd like to、uh, say again, this is the day for us to,、uh, well, first to reflect on、uh, his teachings, but also、uh, recognize how much we owe to him, his teaching, his presence. So,、uh, clear and natural sense of gratitude. I find in my heart. And uh,、um, so this is a, a special and important day.、Uh, without him, I'm not from Rumpocha and his disciples, and Rumpo Smedo and to Ajamaro. So,、uh, like this very、uh, wonderful place, temple and Amaravati monastery, Sangha, lay supporters, lay friends, all of this.、Uh, of course, it goes back to Buddha himself, but particularly for us, Rumpocha, without him, nothing would be possible. So, when we, was,、uh, we don't. We, we, we usually do not have to think in this way, but today、uh, just uh, uh, clearly bring attention, our attention to that fact how we live here, how we are given the opportunity to practice,、uh, how we are given the chance to really、uh, make best use of our life.、Um, so that、uh, clear、uh, sense of Gratitude.、Uh, I think uh, uh, it is a nice feeling too, but it, it, it's uh, good to uh, recognize on this day. And、uh, for today, uh, tonight, uh, this evening,、um, but just I talk about my own experience as well, and then carries on to, carry on to. Uh, 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 his teaching, or we say Achancha's monastery, Achancha's lineage, but actually what we inherit, that kind of theme.、Uh, I'd like to share what,、uh, my thoughts on them. And、uh, I said my experience with Rumpocha. In fact, when I came to Wat Pananachat, International Forest Monastery, it's very close to our main monastery, Wat Papon. He was already in his、uh, vegetative state.、Uh, he was in, in、uh, vegetative state over 10 years, I, I understand. And、uh, he was already 
more than five years for that stage. So I never had the chance to see him myself, to see him actively teaching or just he, how, he sp sp how he, he spoke or acted. Uh, so, uh, so from that very limited perspective, uh, I'd like to share my own experience. So, uh, so he was, um, uh, so he was already in nursing kuti. Uh, that what Papon has its own main premise, where uposata hall, dhamma hall, eat dining hall, as well as uh, kutis, many many kutis, all together. I don't know in acres, hundred something acres, three hundred. 50 rice in Thai way of the calculating the area. And there's, but in the main premise, but outside the premise, uh, they uh, built uh, the nursing kuti to offer our care to him. This is probably very, those, particularly those days, something very new. The building is very different from usual kutis we, found, we find in a uh, Monasteries in uh, forest monasteries in Thailand, and but uh, yeah, it has more uh, a hospital bed and then uh, yeah, more hygienically well equipped uh, building, and uh, um, so uh, what, how the sangha was taking care of him, was um, the Sangha, the actually monks took turns uh, to offer our care. Uh, each team was uh, four monks and one novice. So four monks actually attending him 12 hours a day, uh, 12 hours in one, for one shift and uh, from first shift, the, the the day shift is after the meal. There, once meal a day, so let's say around nine or ten o'clock, and then to the tea time. And then a team of night shift, evening shift comes again. Four monks and one novice. So their shift is actually uh, night vigil. Well, they, you're allowed to have a short rest, but basically uh, we offer uh, uh, care, support to him 24 hours. And uh, this is a usual uh, way we did, but uh, when his condition became serious, which happens from time to time, then it, it was beyond uh, the Sangha's uh, capacity. So he was brought to uh, Ubon Hospital, provincial hospital, and then medical prof professionals would offer uh, more care, uh, pro uh, proper care or treatment to him. So he was spending last phase of his life, uh, yeah, over 10 years, something like this. And uh, um, so I said the f four monks. So how, what we did is really, uh, because he was, uh, Rumpocha was in his vegetative state, he wouldn't be able to move at all, to say nothing of speaking or other, other uh, usual 
human functions we would have, we have. So uh, in order to avoid a bed sore, we had to uh, turn around his body quite regularly. If you are in a hospital, you're very familiar with this, but if you don't this, bed sore happens. Once it happens, quite difficult problem to cope with. So uh, uh, probably monks being taught how to do it, and we're doing very regularly one way or another. And also uh, what I remember is uh, because we didn't want him to have uh, frame in his lungs, so also from time to time we offered him sort of tapping, making hand in sort of shell shape, and then tapping his chest area gently so that release any, anything in his lungs area to, to become detached to avoid uh, frames to, or uh, something similar to develop in his chest. And uh, together with offering uh, food. I mean, uh, because he had a, well, initially it was different arrangement, should be different arrangement, but by the time I had the opportunity to attend to, he had already a trahectomy, we said trachea, Cut. So it is so through this tube he uh, we offered uh, nutriment to him. So uh, uh, and his condition uh, had challenges from time to time. Like uh, at what one chart I was uh, well just like here I became uh, after. Anangarika and I, be, I was uh, Samanera and novice. And then Rumpo Pasano, Wajang Pasano was the abbot. He was the fourth abbot from Rumpo Smedo, Achan Pabakaro, Achan Chakaro. And he was the fourth one. And he was abbot for five years. So, so he said, okay, I had a Nawaka training as a, uh, the, the abbot. So she, I can take the Sangha for the Tudon, you know, uh, to west part, western part of Thailand. This is the other side of Thailand. You know, Wat Papong is more Cambodian, Laotian border, so northeast Thailand, that corner of, uh, side of Thailand. But uh, Ajahn Pasano was organizing the Sangha to go to uh, western part, more towards Burmese border. We didn't have a Dao Dam yet. That developed uh, slightly later. But uh, Ajahn Pasano had a good connection with that part because he himself, when he was a practicing monk, uh, uh, he was practicing on his own. He of, uh, went to that area as a part of his uh, Tudong practice. So, so he thought he could take the Wat Panachata Sangha to go there. So, so we are excited, we are preparing ourselves. But then uh, Rinpoche's condition became worse. We gave up the idea. And uh, we, we, we means Wat Panachata Sangha went to uh, Rinpoche, uh, his nurse in Kuti. We went there every day and we started offering a Parita chanting for him. Uh, 
Rinpoche, usually he would be in the in a room of the nursing kuti on a nursing uh, hospital hospital bed, as I described. But when he was in good condition, reasonably good condition, he was say uh, helped to sit in a wheelchair. Um, of course, he wouldn't move, talk at all. But monks, attending monks, just push his wheelchair to go around the uh, nursing kuti. So the monks, uh, visiting monks or lay people, uh, have a chance to uh, see him, but mainly to pay respect. Uh, I think because his uh, condition, I don't think he came out to outside, but uh, what Panajat Sangha visited him every day around the tea time, and we offered parta chanting. And uh, also then, soon after, we were told that Rumpocha would appreciate Vipassana uh, Bhumi chanting. You know, when we, it's in a funeral chanting, somehow it is part of our funeral chanting, but it's starting from Pancha, Kanda, Rupa, Kanda. It is a list of actually very good uh, Dhamma reflection. So uh, one of the meditation teachers, some, someone actually commented that Rinpoche would appreciate. And so having heard this, uh, we also started offering uh, Vipassana Bhumi. Uh, in fact, to, tonight's gathering at the end, we like to, just as a closing, we like to chant the Vipassana Bhumi for this occasion. And uh, so uh, w he managed to survive. Um, so instead of what Panachat Sangha go uh, to go there every day, we reduced the amount to uh, once a week on one per day. And uh, his condition became uh, challenging again about a few months later. So this time he was taken to the uh, Ubon Hospital. And that's the time he had a me. And we knew Rumpo Cha wouldn't recover, I mean, more uh, realistic thinking, but to, to have torahectomy means he would lose his voice permanently. So it was a necessary but painful uh, decision to make. And uh, when it happened, that was the time I was going to have a Upasampada, my monk's ordination. So uh, all the monks, including Achampasano, and, and then also uh, uh, villagers, they were regularly visiting Lumpocha at the Ubon Hospital. So when, we had, when I had the Upasampada, very few people came, and even the lay people, lay Lay person is only one person from Bunwai village. So, uh, but it was quiet. And then Rumpo uh, Ajahn Pasano came to Upasampada ceremony from the hospital. And then when Upasampada was over, he went back to the hospitals, uh, something like this. So, uh, just uh, he was, his condition was you know, from time to time showing the. Uh, Challenges. So this is the nature of his condition. The vegetative state, which means the body 
is actually surviving uh, the life faculties there, but uh, to more uh, how and this body, our body has many aspects to sustain various functions, but once we are in a vegetative state, it becomes, many things function becomes less than minimum. So naturally, his condition had uh, changes, uh, changes and challenges from time to time. But he managed, well, let's say, he managed to survive few, few more years until 1992, uh, January 16th. Um, I was already moved to one of the branches in uh, Kanchanaburi province. It's again in the western part of Thailand. And it is a new monastery, over a thousand acres, huge place, but uh, it was uh, originally just a sugarcane field, and we are planting so many trees and other development. And it is in a very remote, quiet corner, and in the, the valley, so we usually do not have any, did not have any visitors. And I was involved in monastery development far away from the main sala. But then uh, one day, I heard the bell ringing, just like the same as the bell we have here, which is very unusual because we did not have to ring that bell at all. So I heard the bell, so I had to go back to the main site, uh, main sala, um, 20 minutes walk, probably longer than that, possibly. Then I came to know uh, what happened. And then that monastery didn't have any uh, electricity or a telephone connection. So what, how the news was conveyed was what happened in Ubon. And then uh, it was the news sent to provincial town and, and uh, the supporter there probably drove a car 100 kilometers away to the monastery and conveyed a message. I guess the people here got to know before me. Uh, it's much quicker to uh, uh, relay the message, uh, news to international uh, internationally to here. So, uh, so my experience is, uh, uh, yeah, in that way, very limited. And also, I never had the uh, uh, experience of how he was acting lively. But also what I notice is um, the first, although to me, when I went there, uh, he was in a vegetative state, but those who knew how Rumpo was, how Ajancha was, how uh, powerful his teaching is, what is his charisma, how important and so, all the rest, for them, it is really um, heartbreaking. I don't know what English, proper English word, but it's so difficult to accept the fact such a powerful teacher, such a wonderful teacher, to be in a literary uh, hopeless, sorry, I use the strong but hopeless, or really powerless stage. So emotionally, it's very difficult to accept. I think Sangha members were just uh, more 
you know how to relate to this area of impermanence and old age, sickness, death, hopefully, but for lay people, devotees, that must have been very, very difficult. Um, and we are offering care to him, and also uh, at the same time, um, we knew sooner or later his death would come, and we knew too that the funeral occasion would be quite substantial. Uh, just a few years earlier, then some of the uh, famous uh, forest uh, teacher, uh, forest, uh, the, the, the teachers of uh, forest tradition, not Ajahn's tradition, passed away, and it became a big occasion. It, it's very challenging to uh, manage. So, uh, having noticed this. Um, so Sangha had to really well plan how to have the, the funeral. In fact, in uh, 1992, he passed away, he died, and then the following year, we kept his body for one year, and the following year, we had a royal funeral. And the, the gathering continued about a week or even longer, uh, adding the number together, all together, the number of people attended or visited the occasion was one million. So uh, it is a serious thing. We have to think carefully from how to manage toilet, how to manage the shower blocks, and actually how people can gather. So uh, uh, to, that's why we the nursing kuti was already outside the main site, main promise, but we uh, we Wasanga had to make a the, uh, road outside the area, and then uh, uh, now it is a chedi, a memorial chedi for Lumpocha. But this was uh, initially uh, this is also the site for cremation. So the idea was to have a cremation, and then uh, actual tower chedi itself uh, will be a. Uh, place for to keep his relics uh, as we see now. So uh, we had to, uh, not we, uh, we, or Sangha, uh, they had to uh, build this uh, stupa together with the uh, road work, let's say, the network, how we manage the flow of people. And then we had to put the toilets, shower blocks, so, so many things. So, uh, and then building also inside the main, main site as well. Our uh, dining hall, Sala was getting old, Sala and the dining hall. So they were building new one too. So although Lumpo was in his state, uh, vegetative state, but Sangha had to be very active in, in terms of construction. So some of the days, some of the monks are actually working uh, almost like throughout the night. One of my friends was saying, oh, I was mixing a cement 200 bucks last night <laughs> to, until 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, like this. So uh, uh, 
I, I don't mean everybody did this, but a certain number of people had to dedicate themselves to physical work. So, and also people did come to visit Lumpur at his nursing kuti. Uh, even the, I, remember, I know that the Sri Lankan president, the prime minister, they, they came too. So the constant visitors to pay respect. And also uh, his teaching was already spreading uh, throughout the country in Thailand, also internationally too. So uh, people are practicing Wat Panajata Sangha, also uh, uh, developing bigger. So Rampur Ajancha himself was physically, literally very quiet. He wouldn't say anything, but so many things were happening from the devotion, painful feeling solo, or physically preparing the site, or simply people are dedicating themselves to practice. And it was a, a yeah, um, how to say, oh, to me it was also the con, con, contract, con, no, no, contrast. Um, where, as I said, Rinpoche is such a strong teacher or teacher of charisma, but now he's possibly the most powerless state human being can say, show he was in that state. So that uh, 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 huge cha challenging con contrast. And also his being, physical being, is literally quiet, silent, and so many things were happening around. Well, I was just a junior monk, and I was also, I had opportunity to join this nursing team. I really feel I was grateful for that opportunity, but also being uh, new to the Sangha, uh, I was also, let's say, obsessed with my own practice. I had to practice this kind of things was happening. So that's how I uh, remember. And uh, I'm not, I would repeat again, uh, there's a strong element of uh, old age, sickness, death. We um, reflect, we chant and reflect so regularly. We know this, but that fact was in front of us every day. So we would say, maybe symbolical way too, uh, although even the, the last phase of life, Lumpur Ajahn Chah was offering us, uh, giving his body to show what is the nature of human existence. Yes, and um, 
Okay. Uh, now uh, I'd like to uh, share or talk about his teaching, so his style of teaching as well as monastic development we experience now. Um, I, know, uh, I know now so many books, English books, have, have been published, including his biography. Uh, still flowing water. Uh, stillness for flowing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so uh, it's uh, Paramuni is the Thai original, which Ajahn Jayasaro. Uh, wrote. I'm not, I, I still go back to the time how he was. So uh, I'm not, he was really uh, he was a vice abbot at Wat Panachat, but he was interviewing uh, Rinpoche's disciples, both Sangha members and the uh, lay community. And so, having heard all the stories of Rinpoche in detail. So he was, I believe, he was so inspired. So he, he was eating very little, austere, almost like intimidating to us, but he was really dedicating his time to write, write this um, paramony and uh, biography. And also he made a determination to not to lie down until Rinpoche passes away. And you may probably know this. So, uh, so now the student is flowing. The eventually, a few years ago, Ajahn just sort of finished English translation. So I guess people know very well the stories, probably more than I do. Uh, but still, Rinpoche's teaching, style of teaching. What is it? Um, I think it is safe to say there's not, no particular method, uh, this technique of meditation, or nothing to say, this manual to follow, nothing like this. So often people come, I still remember when I was a junior monk at Pananachat, uh, Sri Lankan monk visited, and there was, apparently he came to know Rinpoche, he liked it, I believe, but still he had to ask, actually, what do you practice here? <laughs> I'm not, we can say same thing even here, because if we follow certain techniques, it's simple, we do this, we follow this manual, these techniques, but, but as we all of us know, nothing like this. And yet, we find his teaching very useful, as well as the Sangha is so expanding and flourishing now. And uh, when was it? 2001, I believe that was the year I came to Amaravati, started living in this uh, monastery. We had the World Abbot meeting. Uh, as you know, International Elders meeting, uh, from not only Europeans, but the America, from America, Australia, all the uh, foreign, the, the elders from foreign monasteries, foreign means 
outside of Thailand come together uh, to have a gathering. We call it International Elders Meeting. We do every three or four years, and Amaravati also hosted it twice, if not three times. But before that, first one, the very first one of this kind of meeting happened was called World About Meeting here. And so first time to meet uh, the abbot and the elders from various branch monasteries all over the world came and had uh, some meeting, also just opportunity to uh, connect together. I still remember in this hall um, about, I don't know how many of us, monks and nuns, sat in a circle and we had that sort of sharing too. So that was 2001. And uh, for this special opportunity, Ajahn Kongrit, he thought uh, this is a rare opportunity why we, we should interview um, those elders who had the chance to uh, live with Rumpur. So he went through various Ajahns with a question, something like, what, how do you remember Achancha? What is the significant aspect of Achancha? Or something like this. And interesting enough, every Achan said very differently. Um, like some would say, well, yes, it's compassion, metta. And some says, well, I don't know what is poor. I had to ask, what is Achancha? Yeah, actually, his mindfulness itself. Or some would say, no, no, he's, he's about samadhi. His samadhi was so uh, powerful, I experienced. Who else? Like, uh, yeah, no, he, his physical being, he, his body is actually, in, uh, the Dhamma is embed, embedded in his physical being. Maybe not exactly, but something like this to do with physical presence. Or another elder said, no, it's about the Sangha, his establishment and then the, uh, the tra guiding or tra training the Sangha. That was his significant part. So as you, you can see, so many different aspects. And I think all of, all of them are relevant. But at, at the same time, what is Ajahn Chah's tradition? And uh, so this is just my uh, way of seeing or thinking, particularly, I, I know I, I'm, I'm, I was going to talk about him today, so I had to think again. It's nothing in you, but I uh, put it in order. So uh, two things I can, two aspects I like to talk. The first one is his teaching style, uh, very my word, simple, clear, direct. Direct or to the point or to the essence, something like this. For example, um, almost like, a, a, I think everybody knows uh, the word, it's not sure, in English they, they uh, translate, so frequently said, but this is well, in a Pali term to, 
Dhamma Paribodhi is like Anicham. So the impermanent is usual translation for Anicham. Uh, anicha. But his case, Maine, as we apply this word to our daily life or practices, when we have hold something too seriously, frustrating, or uh, became challenge, become challenging, then to remember this word, maine. Even if we think something is very important, very significant, or we can't uh, 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 give it up, so important, so almost like absolute. But then this simple word of maine, not sure. So this word reflects, I'm not, even this word itself, we can talk, we can have single talks. I, I just do not do this, but I'm not sure. Or my name is really once we relate, uh, we settle that place of my name, actually it is pointing at uh, just like we chanted today, Anatarakana Sutta, the part of Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta. So it's instead of relating the things to uh, something that's so important, even personal, to the place of total freedom, at ease, something like this. So uh, it is a very simple word, yes, and direct, but also to the essence. Similarly, uh, another uh, common, a well-known word is proiwan, letting go. Uh, again, it is a very simple word, and he would say many, many times, proiwan, uh, letting go, uh, let me speak in, in Thai language, Thai words, proiwan, okay, letting go. It's, it's, it, what, how I understand, it's not talking about any particular Act or action, do something, doing something, something spe, uh, in particular. Rather, like a stop holding something, stop grabbing something, instead of doing. So that's how I understand the word ploy one letting go. Thai word made of two words ploy one. Pro is more or less letting, letting go, let go. Warm is more like uh, spaciousness, even emptiness. Those uh, elements are in the world itself. So, pro, So, it's not like you are doing something particular, but almost like a, how we are. Um, before this talk, I, I had a chance to watch BBC's documentary, The Mindful Way. Rinpoche, I mean, because of the, his time, nothing was videoed about his life. The audio recordings, we, uh, there are many, but the quality wasn't so great. But because of the uh, modern technology of editor, editing work, the many um, Audio recordings are available, but the video, I think as far as I know, the BBC's documentary, two of them, is only the one. So there, Rinpoche appears. Man, the mindful way, I 
I have to say this is very well made. Um, BBC Clue must have studied uh, what is the Buddhism or Sangha life. So the, the, the way it is presented it is presented is comprehensive enough and also very much in a respectful way. So I was actually quite impressed. So in that, uh, it, it, it shows the life at Wat Papon, our main monastery, but also from time to time, Lumpocha uh, appears. Uh, so he's, him speak, he, he's speaking, also we could see how he, how he is. And one of the scenes, he was... Uh, He's being interviewed by Westerner, and then Ajahn Prabhakar was translating. There's something like uh, Rumpo was saying, Nibbana is not something you worry about. And then question, uh, the interviewer said, well then, how, how about the monks trying to, or struggle to reach Nibbana, something like this. And then Rumpocha said, no, no, Nibbana is not something you, uh, you, you strive, you try. So the interviewer had to say, well, if you don't try, if you don't strive, what to do? And then Rumpocha said, immediately without delay, probably one, what is a practice? The answer was proiva, letting go. So this is, to me, it is really the, the, the word to talk about the essence. So we hear uh, the word letting go so many times in so many places. We, yeah, we should let go. Well, we know some of the situations we really become stuck, frustrated, difficult, but we this word in, we hear, we remember as encouragement, but uh, this uh, interview actually reminded me, you know, essence of practice, essence of teaching, proiva, letting go. Yeah, so, so to see BBC's documentary today, actually it helped me to recognize once more this simple word of letting go actually has its profound message there. Often Rumpocha's teaching, yes, it is simple and easy to access, easy to understand, but also the case we keep them in our heart months, years, the taste changes, taste deepens. Oh, I see, this is what he meant. This is what it meant. Just like this word, proiva. And I have to say, I heard so many, many times. And in his talk, he uses this word again and again. But uh, yeah, when he said, how do we practice? How do the monks practice if striving to Nibbana is not the way? Simply, and without hesitation, without a delay, he said immediately, Proyvang, letting go. So it's something to me to, again, once more to register in my heart. Uh, I, and there are many more uh, examples how his teaching is simple and yet very uh, so skilled. And I, 
I have to stop soon. But the one more example, if I may, like uh, many people would know, the, his, uh, the simile he used, uh, the, the head and uh, the head and tail of cobra, the, the cobra, cobra or poisonous snake. So if you grab the head, of course, you are, you're going to be bitten. Dangerous, more than dangerous. But also if you hold a tail, of course the snake or cobra turn around and it bites you. So this is the simile for him to describe happiness and then the opposite. We have these experiences or mental impressions always but, but then we know, at least intellectually, okay, attachment to anything is not safe. Even to the present thing, even the happiness, we shouldn't become attachment, attached, so then we will suffer. But this simile is so skillful, very powerful image, and we can't miss the point. Yes, the head is obviously dangerous, nobody likes it. You wouldn't touch it, you wouldn't bother it. We know it. But even the tail, sukha, or happy experience, everybody likes it, I like it, but once you hold it, the head turns around and bites you. So this simile, um, and then it is a cobra or a poisonous snake, so uh, we know this is a poison. This, uh, it, 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 it kills us. So it is very clear, powerful simile to say nature of attachment. Once you grab, once you hold, you know, we're just in danger, we're more than in danger. And also, this simile, what this simile tells us is, although cobra is such a dangerous one, either you hold a head or the and the tail, but if we do not touch, it is safe. So this is also very good message we can learn. Okay, there are many things for favorable thing, favorable things, so attractive things, important things to the opposite. This is the nature of the world, the nature of the sansaric realm. But also, if we do not go there to hold it, although there are poisons, very life-threatening poisons, but as far as we don't touch, totally fine. So the message is also, it is possible for us to live, my word, sansara, as sansara. If we want to fight with or manipulate or control the sansara, yes, it is a cobra, there's a poison. But also if we understand the nature of the cobra and if we do not go there to hold, it remains safe. So this is a very good uh, simile we can learn from and clear because of such a visual or the image story of it. So uh, 
I, we can see his skill in his teaching. Doesn't matter you're young or old or Westerners or Asian or ordained or lay practitioner or practicing many, many years or never or Buddhist or non-Buddhist. Doesn't matter. This example is really showing us we can't miss to understand. And yet what is said there is, again, very much essence of our existence, really. So uh, Rinpoche's teaching, okay, we, if we are asked to say this technique, this method, right, at least I don't find anything. But the other, the other way to look at this, his teaching is always to the point essence, I said, so what is this? One way to say it is, like, a, what matters most, which is suffering and non-suffering. Ploy one, letting go, or not. This is, or to realize, or to be with the place of my name, not sure, or we become lost, forgetting about the nature of money, not sure. This is exactly suffering and non-suffering. So, so any time, anybody, to, any t- uh, to anybody, what matters most? So in that sense, Rinpoche's teaching is, uh, uh, to me, very immediate and direct. So uh, uh, there's no name for it, no particular technique for it, but on the other hand, when we think of what Rinpoche's teaching and what we are, what we inherited or what we're inheriting is, when we reflect this, actually, are we, are, are we, eh? are we in that place, place of the, what is most important? And just I, one more thing. Uh, another, the other aspect I, I, I like to share about Rinpoche's teaching and lineage is this: how the Sangha is so flourishing. And uh, okay, we we have a word Thai forest tradition. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's sort of unauthorized term. Everybody says, but what is Thai forest tradition? In my understanding, is it's, it's, it exists in Thailand and the monastery in the forest. Actually, a bit more than this. Uh, my interpretation is, like, particularly started from Rumpo Man, Achan Man. We have a statue here. So Achan Man, who died in 1947, until then, the teaching in the forest is sort of, people do not, didn't know, but Achan Man being, his teaching also, we, we don't have anything much from his because it's too early for recording anything like this. But he was, again, very, very powerful teacher and he had many disciples who are, who became later meditation masters, such as uh, Ajahn Mahabua or Arunta Mahabua who died a few years ago. So uh, Ajahn Chah was also Ajahn Man's disciple, although Interesting, inter- interesting enough, his time with Achamman was only a few nights, two or three nights, but that was enough 
to Rinpoche to say uh, profoundly connected with Ajahn So let's say Thai forest tradition, maybe this is my own view, but people would, I hope, agree that usually when we say Thai forest tradition is Ajahn lineage. There may be more broader interpretation possible, but so, but among this Thai forest tradition, uh, what is different between Achancha's lineage and others is commun- communal activities. Other uh, Thai forest monasteries, where, where you would say uh, Damit monasteries, usually they emphasize in a solitude. So apart from Bindabad eating, then you just encourage to go back to your own kutis and just uh, commit and dedicate ourselves to practice. Uh, Achancha's monasteries, we have so many monasteries, so uh, there are varieties. Some of the monasteries actually have that element of uh, solitude. You know, it's in a very remote area, a particular cave, and, and this is a really great opportunity for people to experience total solitude. It is possible to, or some monasteries, just occasionally would become very active in construction, so you have to work, 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 something like this is possible. But so there are a variety of uh, style management of the monasteries, but let's say typical one is found at Wat Papuan. And then similarly to here, we or they have a morning gathering meditation and chanting, evening meditation and chanting. This is uh, other Thai forest monasteries. I don't know now, but in the past, it wasn't their lifestyle, uh, routine or style of uh, house hunger uh, function and they practice. But what Ajahn uh, Chah's way is actually to live together and um, practicing together is clear uh, element as far as, far as I can see. And uh, when we think of Rinpoche's life, he was ordained in a village monastery. Initially, his life as a monk was more like a studying for some years, few years at the beginning, but he realized studying on its own doesn't lead to liberation, which he wasn't really, uh, in, uh, uh, he, yeah, he wanted to follow. So he left a, a study monastery and he went to Tudong to practice on his own and then meeting teachers as, uh, such as Achaman. And then after certain time of practice, he came back to his uh, the village he was born, a nearby area, and he established a monastery. He established a monastery at Papua. So throughout his experience, how the mind, well, his own experience, but how the mind can be, how the human being's mind would be, um, I think this is his wisdom to say, actually to have some structure is helpful rather than leave people to practice, okay, you you work, solitude is, and so forth. I think, well, this is my way of re- uh, saying, like uh, 
Nowadays, I'm not sure, but in Thailand, it is possible to go to various monasteries to find so-called, try to find the best conditions, very quiet or very remote or this, that. But sometimes our own, okay, the Dhamma, Dhamma word, Kiresa, defilement, can uh, disguise, uh, uh, to, to tell, what is the English word? Uh, yes, under the name of solitude, but actually just we follow our own tendency, what we like, what we think this is like. like. But the result is we can become stuck in one area because uh, uh, one area means not physically, but certain tendency we have if we are on our own somehow mind is clever enough to uh, tell us why and then we just escape from the most important issue and then following uh, that pattern again again that's like uh, when I uh, uh, quote Rinpoche's uh, simile it's like one wild dog he was staying here one place and then going to another place, another place. He never stopped moving. And what he's doing is just scratching his body. And after a few, few moments, he moved to another, another. Why does he do? Because he has a skin disease. So that itchy feeling uh, urges him to move on from one place to another. But actual cause, actual problem is your skin condition. So this is, again, very good simile what Lumpo offers us. So the similar way, possibly, we can be deluded by this kind of our internal tendency, just that we, we can say delusion. We just follow blindly or even sometimes we know, but we just allow ourselves to follow this tendency, defilement, just like uh, avoiding facing real skin condition, but just, ah, so itchy, I have to go there, not find another place. So this kind of uh, uh, observation Rinpoche had as a, uh, our human condition, or mind condition. So instead of cleverly escaping from our own individual tendency, just living together. You know, whether you like or you don't like, sometimes we inspired, sometimes we feel lazy, sometimes we understand, sometimes we do not understand. But like I hear, okay, five, five o'clock, come, meditate, chant together, do this meeting, attend this meeting, working together, and in the evening again. So uh, just this framework, together with actually living in the community, the same thing. We can't hide ourselves. There's many, many opportunities for us to face our tendency. So this is my sort of interpretation why Lumpocha established this kind of uh, structure, Sangha routine, in our tradition, and we inherit this. So, so, so this is his um, wisdom and uh, 
understanding about human nature, and this would work better and actually more, I don't know how to say, shortcut to the point. Um, so uh, I have to stop. <laughs> okay. Um, so he, so when he talks, then when he talks about the sangha, his mode of teaching becomes slightly different or quite different. Like he talks about kinoi no noi put noi in English, sleep sleep little, eat little, talk little, or something like this. Quite challenging phrase. I don't go there, but or. Uh, it's not only Paul, but he would say, Oton, be patient. Or when he was asked what ki- ah, okay, when he was asked what kind of meditation or the, the technique you teach, uh, how do you guide your disciples? Once he was asked, his answer was Toraman Luxit, torturing my students. You know, so uh, this is different angle, but this is how he wanted to guide people, human beings. So uh, I I like to close soon. Uh, so he, one aspect, his teaching is very direct, clear, always to the point, to the essence. But on the other hand, the sangha developed. The san- what is sangha? It is about the Okay, we say Vinaya, it's about the form. And also about the human beings. We know we live together, so many challenges living together, our own feelings, opinions, or others. And we can't escape from all those, uh, our own conditions. So uh, to come down to the area of Sangha, You know, this is about a human being. It is about the form and the human beings. And uh, what, un- uh, what I understand is Rinpoche, he, um, if he doesn't want to bother with a human being, and he can be in a, just a, de- de- leading a quiet life, because to, to be with people, to help people, is a big commitment. But uh, he, he offered that. And then when I think of how he developed the Sangha, what is his commitment to the Sangha, this is just my interpretation, but what I, can, what I see there is... Um, His, uh, his trust in human beings, it's not precise yet. Uh, okay, human beings or being, we, beings in a sansara have various conditions or difficulties, but they themselves should not be uh, obstacles to our practice or to liberation. Of course, he wouldn't say, no, take it easy, everything is fine. No, of course, he, he would be very, uh, sometimes strict, sometimes quite uh, 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 
challenging word, something like, like sleep, little, eat, little, talk, speak, little, something like this. I'm like, this word, I have to be careful today, I don't go there. But so, uh, uh, so he, he, he doesn't mean, oh, everybody, everything, everything is fine, but he knows the challenge, limitation of human beings, or weakness of human beings. That's why he thought communal life is more direct way to for us to learn. And also, I think he I used about he his trust in he trusts that uh, this human condition. Is not necessary uh, obstacles to practice or the realization. Right? It, it's not something we can, don't worry, everything's okay. It's not like this, but this is something we can learn and we can grow there. Like uh, when Rumpocha's biography was being made, written, and uh, I don't know uh, English one or Thai, I don't know the detail of the biography, but in, when he was practicing, he had so many challenges, difficulties, and then some of the disciples thought, oh, Lumpo, this is too much to leave in a book. I can understand because it's uh, our teacher, important teacher, we want to have or preserve a beautiful image of the teacher. But uh, Rinpoche said, no, if you don't include that difficult part of my life, it's not my biography. So what it tells is for him that how we are, although even, even how difficult or uh, challenging difference in this and that, but including all of this, he had the confidence, yes, sansara is a challenge, but this is a place we work, and the liberation is there. It is very clear, always with him. Um, I, I stop talking now, but just uh, I also listened to his talking Thai for today, and he was giving a guidance to a Westerner who stayed at Wat Papon. She couldn't speak Thai at, at all, of course, but she, so by, after, when she was leaving, Lumpo was giving her instruction, just a short uh, Dhamma reflection, about 10 minutes. But the very beginning, he said that the purpose is uh, ending a suffering from samsara. You know, she, he was talking to just uh, Western, let's say, beginners, or be, beginner, but, but even then, I hope I, I'm, I'm sure he really beginner or not, but he, even that small, short talk, at the very beginning, he had to say this, the purpose of practice is ending a suffering in the sansara realm. So for him, I think it is always clear 
And also the liberation is not something abstract or too far or simply beautiful that we can't reach, but his connection with our human existence in this sansaric realm is always there too. That's why for him, the teaching, uh, when we see or re, uh, read his teaching, it comes to us. And also he... Uh, was actually very good at helping uh, the Sangha. Because once you are living in a Sangha, every part of our, uh, our being can become challenged. I hope Sangha members understand this. <laughs> our experience, it's, it's nothing easy at all. But Rumpo knows this is a necessary part and actually more straightforward. I, I need to stop here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bit... Uh, I, I hope what I said is not too big mouth. <laughs> and so uh, I stop now and thank you very much for listening to me so patiently. Um, the main, uh...